Welcome to Your Mark on the World, bringing you another changemaker with champion of social good, Devin D. Thorpe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Mark on the World show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe, and we're producing this episode for Good Crowd Info. Our guest today is Matthew Sullivan, the CEO and founder of CrowdVenture. Matthew, welcome to the show. We're glad to have you. Thank you, Devin. Thank you. So, Matthew, uh, CrowdVenture is a, a crowdfunding site for real estate, and you're using that today to help people uh, acquire distressed assets and then working with the distressed mortgages, that is, and then working with the the people who stand opposite your investments to try and keep them in their mortgage, to restructure the mortgages. Now that you've got an acceptable lower basis in those mortgages than face value, you are in a position to sort of rework them. Uh, Tell us a little bit about how this came to be. It's a very interesting asset class. First of all, Um, there are uh, a great number of um, interesting pieces to this puzzle. Uh, The first piece is crowdfunding and um, how that has been adopted and has uh, really gained so much momentum over the last two years, particularly in the real estate sector. So the second point is is the actual asset class itself. With real estate, most people are aware of development properties, hotels, commercial properties. But I don't think many people are aware that there is a, a huge market in trading mortgages. Both, both first charge mortgages and second charge mortgages. And there's also an enormous market in trading defaulted mortgages. In other words, mortgages where people have failed to make payments and are at risk of having their security grabbed from beneath them by the banks and sold to try and um, pay the debt. So what we wanted to do was find a way of educating people about this asset class which does have some very good returns. And the way we wanted to do that was through our crowdfunding platform. Um, The third element is it does um, make a significant impact on the people that are uh, affected by these uh, mortgages. Um, And what we wanted to do is find a way of differentiating ourselves from the other players in the real estate crowdfunding sector. And to do that, we wanted to be able to offer an investment that had some type of social impact that was measurable, that people could understand. Uh, And I think that most people are aware of the pressures of debt. Um, And if we were to show them what happens to people when their homes are under the risk of foreclosure and how they could uh, help them do that, but at the same time harness the power of capitalism to give them that little piece of, uh, that little you know, nudge to be able to do something, then it would be a win-win for everybody. Well, it does seem like it has a, a tremendous power for, for good, uh, especially the way you're, you're employing it. Uh, tell us uh, a little bit uh, about how you are uh, tracking your success. I realize these are still early days, but uh, are, are you able to uh, measure yet, the, say, the, the number of families that you've been able to uh, create a new mortgage instrument or adjust an old mortgage for that's uh, allowed them theoretically to stay in there uh, permanently? 
Yes, I mean, these are early days. So we've only just launched the fund, um, but we're working um, in very close collaboration with uh, a firm that has been um, involved in this market for almost 10 years. So this is not something that we're trying to become experts on overnight. I mean, our, our role really is to take what we thought is a, a very interesting asset class and to make that widely available to our crowdfunding platform. But at the same time, recognizing that our expertise is not in that area and bring on the right partners who have a, a track record in doing it. But to answer your question, when the, the, the fund is, um, is moving, we know specifically um, how many loan notes we have on our books and at any one time what the status of those loan notes are. Uh, and that means that we can tell whether or not um, owner of the house is uh, managing to get back on, um, you know, on his feet and is making payments again. Uh, some of these loans will be very difficult to, uh, to recover, unfortunately, because of circumstances beyond the borrower's control, beyond our control. Um, so we are able to, to generate specific uh, situations and specific examples of where we've been able to contact a homeowner that maybe has found that they haven't been able to get anywhere with a, with a bank. Every morning they wake up feeling they have this sort of Damocles above their head, which is the risk of foreclosure. Um, and what we are able to do is, is really talk to them as people and understand that um, every loan that is taken out is taken out by a person for a particular purpose. And we all know that sometimes those purposes um, may have not been the, you know, the, the smartest thing in the, you know, but, but you know, that's, that's the way the world is. But our job really is to say, can we use the ability that we have because of the way that we buy these notes and the flexibility that we have, can we help get that person back on track and at the same time, a return to our investors. And it because seems, of the system, sorry. It seems there are two areas of flexibility you get the originator may not have, or the servicer especially. Yeah. The, and, and one is that the servicer oftentimes isn't, doesn't have a, a principal's interest in the mortgage that they service. And so they may, in fact, be very limited in their ability to negotiate uh, any sort of modification to the loan, and uh, they lack the incentive to do it as well. Uh, so, so there, you when you acquire the underlying mortgage, now you're in a position where you are in a position to negotiate, and you have the incentive to do it, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, you're absolutely right. A servicer, his job is to service. So his his job is to collect payments to do the bit in the middle. Um, now, the originator, when they originated the loan there was an expectation that they would be repaid 100% of what they lent plus the interest. So when that seems like that's not the case, then it's passed to a particular department within the bank. And the people within the bank, you have to look at their motivation. Is their motivation to help the homeowner to get a resolution to this? Or is, the res or, or is their, their, uh, their driving force to try and get these files off their desk? so that they can meet their targets. So there's all of these sort of, this sort of machinery that you have to look at. We have the motivation primarily to get a return on these notes. Because if we don't get a return on the notes, if it doesn't work from an investment perspective, it, the, whole, the whole structure doesn't work. 
But because we were able to buy these notes at such a discount for the amount of money that was already originally borrowed, we had so much flexibility compared to the banks that it's much easier for us to negotiate a settlement. So, and at the same time, return uh, an investment uh, to our you know, to, to our you know, investment clients. Sure, sure. So, as you've been rolling this out, uh, are you see which side of the equation are you having the most trouble with now? Is it uh, finding product to buy? or finding investors to join your investment pool to buy these assets? There's, it's a marketplace. So the market changes based on supply and demand. Um, sometimes it's easier to locate the notes that we want, and sometimes it's more difficult. But that's, that's the fluid conditions of the market. Um, for us, what we want to get out there is to really demystify this particular asset class. And to get people to understand that there is an enormous multi-level industry. There are many, many people involved in this industry from single guys or single investors who buy one note right up to the, the, the banks and the hedge funds who buy you know, $100 million worth of notes at the same time. But as everybody knows, there is $13.1 trillion of mortgage debt out there. Um, and depending on which figures you look at, somewhere around 7 to 8% of that is in default right now. We also have the, um, the specter of the HELOCs or um, the uh, home equity release schemes, which uh, are now, 10 years later, beginning to come into effect. So over the next three years, there's an estimated $150 billion worth of um, uh, sort of these home equity lines of credit that the banks will want to be, uh, they want their money back. So as far as supply is concerned, unfortunately, there is a lot of supply out there. And I think as interest rates change and the economy changes in various states, you know, the, the more homeowners that find themselves under the threat of foreclosure um, will increase. I mean, there are currently over... Well, nearly seven and a half million homeowners out there right now who whose homes are more than 25% underwater. And that means that if you compare what their house is worth to what they've borrowed, they owe the bank 25% more than their house is worth. And yeah. you know, how, how, how do you get out of that as a homeowner? Yeah, it, it, it's incredibly difficult. If you're talking about a $200,000 home, you're 25% underwater, $50,000 in the hole. And uh, if you have a $75,000 a year household income, which would be normal, uh, it's nearly a year's income. Where Most people just don't have that lying about. They can't solve that problem on their own. So it's a huge, huge issue, isn't it? It is. And it's not just about buying their debt. It's about explaining to these people that there are options and there is assistance out there outside of the banks. Because the banks have their own set of rules and we understand that they you know, they have to do what they have to do. Um, but to understand that there is this sort of thriving market in distress notes means that we're able to throw some uh, bone of hope to the people that have their houses under foreclosure or that are underwater that they don't 
need to wake up every morning in a cold sweat thinking about nothing else other than how they will find that $50,000. And, and that is the one thing that has come out of that, is that um, every lens is different. One thing that we found, which is, uh, I wouldn't say astonishing, but it's something that's been a real education, is that every note and every loan that we look at, you can't say they're standard from an underwriting perspective before you issue the note as an originator. You'll go through a standardized process of checking a credit score and looking for employment details. But the note itself, every loan is different. Every story, every reason why that loan was taken out is different. And everyone's ability to repay those loans is different. And I think from our perspective, we're able to look at each loan on an individual basis um, and understand that there is a you know a heartbeat behind each each home. And once we take that on board, it makes our job a lot easier. Now, Matthew, you're really uh, having a lot of success spooling this up. We're excited about that. Uh, I, I'm curious to know, as you become a role model, who you look to as a role model? Yes. Well, I'm gonna, um, I, used to, I had the real privilege back in the mid-90s of working very closely with uh, Richard Branson. And um, one of the great things about him um, was, well, there were a number of great things, but working closely with him is, is, was a real, uh, it was a joy and an education and it was an inspiration because there was so much energy that came out um, every time I met him. There was so much enthusiasm and there was this feeling of uh, unstoppableness. We just created a word. <laughs> and that, that feeling is something that I think really is the most important part of any task that you're trying to do, which is can you find it within yourself to really believe in that? Um, and it was that, that unstoppable power of, of, you know, this will happen, we can do this, um, that even now I, I find, um, you know, quite astonishing and, and just wonderful to, to recount. As you think about what you're doing today, I want you to just reflect for a minute with us as to why you're doing this. There are so many different things you could be doing, and even you could be approaching this particular uh, project in a very different way. And, and why, why do what you're doing? Why do what you're doing the way you're doing it with the goal of helping people? Right, there's, there's an intangible and the tangible. The intangible is because it feels right. And that's something that you can't explain, but it just feels like this is the way that, not necessarily this is the way it needs to be done, but this is the way that I can do it. This is the way that makes me jump out of bed every morning and say, I, I love this, I want to build this. And going back to one of the things that Richard and his team used to uh, live by was this idea of taking on the big boys and winning. And so I, I had this, this sort of love of disruptive technologies and crowdfunding has so much uh, opportunity and there's so much momentum building right now that it really feels that we're part of something special and part of something very big. And you get faint signals from the future every now and then if you're lucky. And this feels 
the same way that the internet did 15, 20 years ago. And to be able to combine the ability of educating people about things they didn't know about that can benefit them emotionally and financially is very compelling. I totally, totally appreciate that and uh, grateful for you sharing that. Now, one last question before we let you go, and that is I wonder if you would share with us something you do every day that helps you to be successful so that we can do it too. I think the most important thing for me is at the end of every day, I need to be able to say to myself, I've done something, I've achieved something. You know, it doesn't matter what it is, but I don't want to go through, I don't want to spend a single day where I go through the motions of getting through the day so that I can you know, do something in the evening. You know, that day, I, you know, and if I'm feeling I'm not getting somewhere, then you, I try and stop what I'm doing and then rethink it. But every day, something needs to happen. I need to be able to say to myself, even if it's a little bit, I've achieved something, I've pushed it forwards. You know, I've made something happen today. Fantastic. That is a great, great insight. Uh, I'm going to try and adopt that. Uh, Matthew, it's been great to have you. I know there are a lot of people who want to learn more about uh, CrowdVenture. A lot of people want to learn more about you or connect with you. How do people learn more? How do people connect with you? Um, well, there's the website, which is crowdventure.com. Um, and uh, I have a, a, a Twitter account. Um, and uh, that's uh, my uh, Twitter name is Matt Sullivan Co. Uh, only because somebody managed to grab my name before I did. Uh, but I've had that account for a number of years now. Great. Well, Matt, thank you very much for joining us today. We wish you every success in the work you're doing. Thank you very much, Evan. All righty. Let's do some good. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded via Google Hangouts on Air and is available at youtube.com forward slash Devinthorpe. Subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher or iTunes by searching for Your Mark on the World. Every weekday, Devin hosts a CEO, celebrity, entrepreneur or other changemaker here on the Your Mark on the World show to inspire and prepare you to make your mark. Devin is a champion of social good, writing about, advocating for, and advising people who are doing good. He is a Forbes contributor who is a recognized thought leader in social entrepreneurship, impact investing, and crowdfunding. To book Devin as a speaker, visit devinthorpe.com. Learn more about Devin's work at yourmarkontheworld.com.